sweet of him. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hey, this is Bryant Arnold, also known as Dragon from Skinwalker Ranch, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. That UFO Podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. Zencaster is a modern web-based solution for high-quality audio and video podcast production. With a full suite of professional tools, Zencaster allows podcasters to quickly and seamlessly record their guests remotely and produce their podcasts in studio quality. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome to That UFO Podcast. As always, my name is Andy and just before I bring on the guest this week, don't forget if you're enjoying the podcast, help us out by liking, subscribing, retweeting, leave a review and now you can support the podcast for premium ad-free early access on patreon.com forward slash That UFO Podcast and now on Apple Podcast subscriptions as well where you can still get that two-week free trial for a lot of exclusive content too. Getting right into this one, folks, looking forward to having a bit more of a technical, I say technical conversation, I'm not a tech expert here, I've brought one on for me, and I think it's a very timely guest as well, especially from a lot of you sending me DMs and emails. I've got an expert in FLIR technology, I have Dave Fulch. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andy, appreciate it. It's a real pleasure. Now, um, we seem to have hit this lull where for months and months and months we've built up to this UAP task force report and for so many people it meant so many different things and I can definitely see we're on like the downward side of the roller coaster now before we come back up and at this moment I'm seeing a ton of videos online um, with people scrambling for stories or looking for something that's not there and I think it's just what people are trying to do to fill the time in between the next big story. So I thought it'd be a really good time to speak with yourself because you're an expert in, in FLIR technology and maybe clear some of this up for people as well and actually explain to us what we're looking at, what we should be looking at, and maybe some of the bits we should kind of stay away from as well. Before we get there, Dave, I'd love to know a little bit about you and your background. So do you mind taking us through who you are, any interest in UFOs and whatnot growing up, and kind of what's led you to where you are now? Sure. Um, I grew up in St. Louis, went to college there, but I couldn't really find a job in the 90s, so I ended up joining the Navy. And uh, I worked as an aviation electronics technician, which kind of led me to my job today. Um some of the things <clears throat> that I was interested in, alien stuff, it was just pretty much the same stuff as anybody else, like, you know, close encounters of the fourth kind and just any kind of alien movies. I do like the alien predator kind of movies. Those are pretty cool. But um, as far as my background, after the Navy, I went back to St. Louis and um, couldn't really find my niche back in 
society there, shall we say. So I um, moved down to Florida, which is where I was in the Navy in Jacksonville. And then I uh, found a job working on FLIRs, and I've been doing that for the last 15 years. Awesome. And, and for the layman like myself, who's not too too good with different terminologies and whatnot, what was it you'd done as part of the Navy? Was it working with things like FLIR? Um, well, it was aviation electronics at the intermediate level. So it's one level removed from the depot level, which is like the most advanced level where you break it down to nuts and bolts. The intermediate level is when another sailor will take a component, like a box out of an aircraft and he'll give it to me and I'll say, okay, I've been trained to fix this box. So I'll fix the box, give it back to him. He'll install it back in the aircraft. He's in charge of all the the aircraft avionics, but I'm in charge of fixing a specific uh, box or component, that kind of thing, a a line replaceable unit. So um, that's pretty much the essence of that and with the navy were you again excuse my ignorance uh, were you out on the on the ships or do you stay like uh, based somewhere on like an hq or on the coast <laughs> um it, it kind of goes back to a school your basic training uh, in electronics i got the the skinny from some of the other sailors that if you wanted kind of a plus job you wanted to be intermediate so i got really lucky and I was P3 Navy, which means the P3s don't land on aircraft carriers. Thus, we were land-based, so I never went to a ship. So I pretty much had the, the cushy job of just a, like a 9-to-5 job, uh, land-based, fixing aviation electronics. Awesome. And in that environment, was there ever any talk of UFOs, UAPs, things in the sky? Or was it still, even in in that environment, away from the craft themselves, like, was it still a taboo subject? Uh, to be honest, we didn't really touch on it the time I was in the Navy. To be, I can't recall any time where there was anything like today where it's gotten such a, you know, a prominent notice in the media. Now, you yourself, uh, like you say, FLIR is something that the word, can you just talk about what FLIR is, what it means? Because I think for so many people, we're just so used to now saying, oh, FLIR, it's a FLIR camera. And we we talk about it as if we know what we're talking about. But you're the expert. So do you mind breaking down what FLIR stands for and what it actually is? Sure. Um, FLIR is forward-looking infrared. It's not forward-looking infrared radar. Uh, because it's passive, it doesn't emit anything except if you have lasers on it. So there's different manufacturers that make these FLIRs that you typically mount to aircraft. Sometimes you put on ships, but it's like um, a nine to twenty inch ball. It's like um, got cameras on a chassis internal, and then there it's rotated by a turret that does elevation and azimuth. Sometimes it's four axis. Um, so this is, (laughs) it's, it's usually three to five micron, which is, um, a specific wavelength of infrared. So for example, visible light is, I think it's between four and 700 nanometers. Um, near infrared is somewhere nine to one point something micron and then the three to five micron is the mid wave you have a short wave in between the near infrared and the mid mid wave you know you can look at a chart you can google that kind of stuff but 
to sum it up, typically government level FLIRs are using the three to five microns, which have certain characteristics, meaning they don't really care about light. I mean, they do, but they're all about detecting heat. So the cameras are different. That's what a lot of people are confused about is a daylight camera doesn't look like an, a FLIR camera. It does sometimes because there's an overlap between the light and the heat. You know, sun shines down on grass. You're going to see the heat because the grass absorbs the heat. But it's not always that way. There's different characteristics to it. And um, that's where there's a lot of confusion. Even when you're talking about um, cameras around your house, like surveillance cameras, security cameras, those are near infrared. Those aren't picking up thermal radiation. Those are picking up uh, light because you see all the little LEDs that are around the camera sensor. Those are emitting that to bounce off this, what they're looking at. So then their camera can pick that up within that wavelength. Does it get more complicated or less? <laughs> you know that that's a good start. Uh, to be honest, uh, as the mainstream has picked up on the the UAP and UFO stories over the last few months, you've seen more and more comments online, especially the the sphere videos from the USS. Was it the Russell or the Omaha? I get confused. Yes. Yeah, uh, Omaha, I believe. Omaha, yeah. Um, and there was so many comments from again just the general public of you know, my phone can film blah, 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 but the military's best $100 million cameras can't even take a picture that's not grainy. And like you say, the, the context is just totally lost on people because it's picking up heat. It's not there to film a picture. It's filming stuff that's at, you know what, three miles away. I believe those spheres were. Is that about right? And it was 11 o'clock at night. Right. Um, I'm not sure about the distance, but yeah, that's totally within range. Yeah, I think that's about right. From what I read anyway, I, I, I may be wrong, but it's in the ballpark and, and that's the idea of it, isn't it? That, like you say, it's, it's filming a heat signature. Some of your videos that I quite like, and I'll link to the YouTube channel, and I would encourage people who haven't seen them to go and check them out. You you give really good examples of filming everyday objects from a plane to a balloon to birds, which we'll get onto in a second as well. And some of them, and I think it's one of the balloon ones, you flick between the day camera and the, the infrared as well. Now, on another one of the videos, you, you show dead pixels, and then you cut to what you see as a UFO, and you show the UFO on flare, so you're forward-looking infrared, but when you switch to the day camera, it's not there. Right. What is going on in a video when you're filming something that you, as an expert in this technology, say, this is a UFO, whatever that might mean, it's an unidentified object, why is it appearing on infrared but not appearing on a day camera? Um, yeah, the only other example I've ever seen of that is like the moon when it's really hazy. The infrared will see through the atmosphere and you can see the moon. Sometimes that's kind of iffy too. But we've never seen any kind of orb remain kind of geosynchronous in the sky and then not being able to see them with two different day, day cams, the electro-optics, EO cams. So that's what my coworker was confused about when he came in and, and notified me. It wasn't even me that saw them first, but um, I took out the cell phone and I immediately saw it was something um, that was an anomaly. So I started recording. Unfortunately, at that time, we didn't even have recording equipment attached to the FLIRs when we test them out back because there's really no reason to. Um, after that, we've gone to um, putting recording equipment because it actually helps out with our day-to-day -day testing. But 
anyway, back to that video, it definitely looked like it was within the atmosphere. It was about plane size, you know, 30 to 50 feet, something like that. And it could not be seen in the day cams, which didn't make sense because you're going to see at least something with the day cams. Um, they're bore sided in, um, to one camera to the other. So if you flip from day camera to the infrared and then to another camera, they should all see the exact same, um, you know, picture upon a picture. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What uh, do you have any ideas or theories? And this is more speculation as to what that could be then. The only thing I could have thought it been at the time, or that I'm trying to speculate Maybe it was a blimp if it's just staying there. But what happened was we got a high def system because we couldn't really see too much with the one we were uh, dealing with and um, put it in its place. Now, when we took the one out and then put a new one in the, the high def system, that takes about five minutes to cryogenically cool for the infrared detector to see the, th the heat, you know, thermal radiation. So within that five minutes, that object had completely disappeared from the span of the sky that we could see. So that doesn't make sense either, unless the balloon dropped out of the sky, like the Hindenburg, some, you know, something like that. Which is possible, but you know, it's, you have to cover all the bases here, which is, which is fair. And <clears throat> I'm never one just to jump to it's a UFO, it's a spaceship, it's this or that. It could be multiple different things, but like you say, it sure. was it was certainly strange and, and warranted you looking at it. Now, just in the 10 minutes we've been talking about this equipment, there's a lot to it. How long does it take to study and qualify to use this equipment to the level you would be classified as, as an expert in it? Um, well, just to work on the equipment by yourself in our shop, it takes about two or three years. So you're usually brought in from a technical background. Um, we have a lot of veterans there that were in the avionics field. Um, it takes, oh, I wouldn't even know, maybe five to 10 years till you really know what you're doing. And I would say, yeah, about, I, I got about 15 years in, but there's people in there that, have like 20, 25 years. There are the two other two top guys that um, are working with me. So are, are there any other backgrounds or industries where people could come in and have a bit of a head start on, on equipment like FLIR? And uh, without naming names, I'm going to say if someone worked in the video gaming industry, would they have an exposure to technology that they could instantly pick up what FLIR was and how it worked and if you get what I'm getting at. Well, when I was interviewed, they were wondering a, a bunch of different stuff. What do I know? I knew a lot about computers. I knew how to solder. I knew a lot about, um, through hole technology, uh, you know, for soldering. Um, I knew how to tear a car engine apart. You're not, to, not to where you're rebuilding, but I can take a water pump off, change a timing belt, stuff like that. That's the mechanical aspect that they're looking for because it's electromechanical, optical. It's a whole bunch of things different going on. And um, nowadays it's becoming more digital to where your circuit cards are kind of throwaway. Sometimes you can fix them. But um, yeah, there's a big overlap of technologies that we're looking at. One, one of the guys in our uh, shop actually is a car mechanic but he was in the navy he was in he was a chief and he was an aviation electronics tech so we know he has um 
different level. You you kind of want a jack of all trades, but mm-hmm. focusing on the um, the electronics. Now, I suppose one of the most famous online or social media personalities would be Mick West, and I'm sure you've seen some of his videos know. and his testimony. Not Mick West. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So listen, I. I unfollowed Mick because I, I just I personally think he he trolls quite a lot. I, I think <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. He's an intelligent guy, um, which is clear that anyone who says otherwise is wrong. However, I look at someone like Mick, whose background is in developing computer games, and I see him talk with an air of confidence about a system that he has no real background in. He just seems to to run his own experiments which he claims to to explain what we're seeing on these videos. How do you feel when you see people like Mick and others talk about this equipment with no real background in it? And and what you hear, is, is there anything to what they say? Um, yeah, Mick, he, he's kind of comical in a way. It started off a couple of years when I was working with him. He, he would want me to do an experiment, like put a smudge of grease on an old window and then twist it in front of a FLIR camera. And I did, you know, and we did a couple of things, but he's one of those guys that kind of likes to move the goalpost. Once he's been proven wrong or his theory's not going the way he wants, he changes theories. So everything just keeps moving on. And I'm like, I'm not going to be your, you know, your slave to do these experiments. I have other things to do. Now there's a lot of sycophants of Mick, where they, you know, ask me all these same questions. It's just regurgitating the same thing Mick comes up with. But his famous, which is very laughable, but his famous when he's on like uh, social media or something, experiment is when he takes a flashlight and he's got the lens and he's like, oh, see how the glare rotates. It's the same in the infrared. It's completely not. He doesn't understand. He has a, a FLIR one camera, which is a long wave infrared camera that he plugs into his phone he does little experiments like that that's where he kind of thinks that he has a grasp on the technology but what he doesn't realize is it's only one field of view it's just the you know 640 by 480 or whatever the resolution is on it and it's just looking at the wide field of view whatever's in the room now with the FLIR systems you're flipping lenses and you're using different magnifications and there's different focal lengths and all these things going on that he's completely unfamiliar with, but he's kind of one of those guys that he knows enough to be dangerous. Yeah. And, and you know what? He's a very intelligent guy. And I've said before, when people have asked me to, to have Mick on the podcast, I, 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 there was a time I would have. I think now it would just be for for ratings or likes, which some people have done, which is which is totally up to them. But there's an element to Mick would be able to have a conversation with me that I am no expert in that field, so I couldn't confidently say yes or no to a lot of the things he would potentially want to bring up. I would rather hear other experts talk to him. Now you've brought up there, Dave, the the gimbal video for a start, which is one of the famous videos that came to prominence late 2017, 2018. And it was of the object going along. It looks like it's cruising in the video. It looks like it's above the clouds and you can hear the, the, the pilots talking about it and it slows down and then rotates. Now we have since heard from Ryan Graves and others that, there was a, a formation of five other objects which were off the camera or that we don't see, and they turned at quite a rapid pace and, and everything else, which is fascinating, but we don't have that footage. Now, when you first see footage like the, the gimbal footage, and you've talked a little bit about it there, what is it 
about it that's fascinating or interesting you? Um, yeah, the first time I saw that, I gasped. Uh, I actually gasped because it's something that you're not going to see out of any kind of man-made aircraft. The thing about the hypothesis of that you're looking at the, the tail end of a jet and that's just being glared from, from the heat is you don't see the spiking that the, you normally see with a jet engine. It's a very consistent, solid object. And with the rotation, it can, remains a consistent object and it doesn't bank to the left like you would expect an aircraft to do. It just kind of rotates. It doesn't have follow any kind of laws of um, nature. <laughs> it's just not right. And there's just a few things that... Um, okay. There's a lot of speculation about when Mick does this thing with a video and he enhances the gain and then you see some artifacts as he calls them and they rotate at the same time as the object rotates. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, okay. It could be that the tracker is trying to reacquire the subject when the object moves because it's seeing within its tracker bars, the object just shift rotate. It's not familiar with that. So it kind of reacquires. I don't know if that's the case or not, but the object clearly rotates against the cloud horizon. Uh, so there's nothing in the optics that's going to make a glare rotate against the cloud horizon. It's you're looking at a narrow field of view. This is like back into the heart of the infrared optics. Even uh, the derotation device that was talked about a lot is just a mirror that rotates, so it's going to rotate the whole scene. So it's just a straw man argument. There's no point in arguing the whole rotation thing, which is the thing that people ask me the most about, like on my YouTube channel. Yeah, and obviously it's the most fascinating part of that video. And the first time I saw it, it was the same as you, that, wow, I mean, just the shape itself looks sort of disc-shaped. And I know that can be a, that could be many different things when you're picking up a, a heat signature or not. But it is the fact that it slows down and then rotates. And it clearly rotates to the naked eye. And then when I saw someone like Mick and a few others come out and say that it wasn't rotating, it's actually the, the background, my heart sank a little bit because I thought, oh, that, that would really put a massive <laughs> wrench in this. Right. But then other experts, and it may have been yourself or other people, came out and said, no, that's definitely not the case. This is absolutely rotating, which for me, that's that's the huge piece. Now, obviously, when it cuts off, it cuts off, and there's all sorts of speculation as to what happens next. We've, we've heard from Orion Graves recently that the object turns a, a bit like a conventional aircraft would and then follows this other formation. Oh, no, sorry, the, the gimbal object apparently turns at a 90-degree angle. And it was the the, ob the five objects in front which banked like a, an ordinary craft would. Now, is there anything else in this video other than the the turning of the object or rotating that's particularly interesting? Uh, what about the speed of it or anything like that that you would pick up just at a glance? Not so much. It just seems like it's very stable because normally when you see aircraft and you're following an aircraft, something like that, there's going to be different movements. There's, you know, you're fighting the wind. It, it just seems like it was com extremely controlled. It was very mechanical in nature. When you see the rotation, it looked like it was on like a, a motor potentiometer assembly and you were turning the knob and it just moves. Um, 
I'd like to touch on one thing that Mick likes to use. He pulled one of my videos that I put on YouTube a long time ago where I labeled gimbal exhaust because it kind of looked like the gimbal. It was a, uh, a trainer plane flying out of NAS jacks. And I saw it and I was just kind of playing around with the gains, the levels. And then I adjusted the focus. And I was like, that kind of looks like that, um, that gimbal object. This was, you know, a few years back when it was fresh. And, um, you know, I was not in the know about what Mick's agenda was. So I shared it with him. I was like, Hey, check this out. Well, he jumped right on that. He's like, that's what it is. It's the, you know, it's definitely an aircraft. And I said, you don't understand, Mick, I'm disproving this because it's completely out of focus. I defocus this greatly, you know, but I was just kind of uh, sharing with you type thing. No, no, no. He still uses that video to, um, to kind of debunk the whole, the gimbal object rotating. And the, the, we had the other videos with the go fast and the tic tac. Which of those, if any, do you find interesting? Anything about them again, which jumps out to you? Because I think those are probably two of the maybe less spectacular, just given the, the footage itself. But what about yourself? What were your thoughts? Yeah, the um, we think about this. The go fast was pretty interesting in that it broke track because it's a pretty far away object, and it would really have to accelerate. I think it was to the left, you know, at a great rate of speed in order to break track like that. Um, some of the pilots that I've talked to have said that's what made them gasp because they're used to this equipment it being airborne. And they said that it just doesn't happen. Uh, as far as the, um, the what was it? The, uh, the, the, the go fast breaks the track. And then I think the, oh no, is it FLIR 1? They're, they're labeled as on the website now, anyone, TTSA. But, oh, but then yeah, you, yeah. you've got the other one, which is the tic-tac shooting across the, the, the surface of the water. Well, I thought that was the go fast. I think the tic-tac was the one. It's hard to remember. But... I, I, do you know well, what? I can, I can YouTube it because I think they get so they get so confused now with, yeah. from what they were originally. Um, um, the FLIR 1, that was a real boring one where it just shows like the orb. And there's not much going on. Yeah, the flare one just sits and then goes off. Okay. And the 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 go fast is the one where it's going across the surface of the water. I've got the website up now. Okay, so great. Flare one, it sits and then just goes off to the left. Okay, so that was the flare one. Um, the go fast is definitely interesting because there's cold object cruising across the sky that's obviously colder than the ocean below it, and uh, like Jeremy Corbell did a big analysis on this. I kind of worked with him a little bit on that, but that's, you know, it's, it's not a bird. You would see a bird, even at that distance, you would see the wings flapping or you would see some kind of movement. This is just a solid orb object just hurtling through the sky. And I'm not one of those guys that can put together mathematical equations to tell you how fast the aircraft was going and it was going this direction. And that meant that this is going that fast. I don't do those kind of things. That's out of my scope. So, but I can tell you just looking at that thing, it's, it's an anomaly. That's not anything typical that we normally see. Have you heard about anything like those videos in the, in the meantime from former colleagues in, in the Navy or otherwise? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm working on something right now, but I signed an NDA and I'm kind of held to that. So oh, people are going to roll their eyes when they hear NDA, but I understand. Yeah, I, I get that. But it's 
that's that's good to know though that there's there's still other stuff out there you're working on it, yeah. wouldn't, ha- it wouldn't happen to be a 23 minute long video would it um was it was that the um which one was that, that you're so this to? is the video that lou's just talked about recently saying there's a 23 minute long video within the classified section of the the uap report and uh apparently apparently it's like the video to end all videos for what they've got anyway no, the, the one I'm thinking of that I'm working on is longer than that. Um, now, there's two videos I saw on Twitter. There was one that was um, like a warthog being chased by a, a UAP. Or, and then there was one that was uh, what they call the witch. I don't know how you say that in Spanish. It's like La Bruja or something like that. Did you okay. see that? No, I've not seen that one, but I, I don't mind. I'd like to touch on the, the warthog one first. Now, okay. This is, and again, I've seen Mick do a video, but this is one that I would I would tend to just at a glance think Mick is correct, that the object in the video isn't a UAP, but probably a bird. A bug? No, a, 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 sorry, Scottish accent, a bird. Like it's a, 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 you know, because it seems to f- have a kind of flapping wing motion as it goes up. And I've also heard that the, if it's the same video we're talking about, it's got the, the aircraft flying about, but in the background, you kind of see the little black object going up and up and up. Is that the same video we're talking about here? I think so, but it didn't look like a bird to me. I mean, that would be no. some kind of super bird. Now, I mean, that's the thing. If you're looking at a warthog with that particular system, that FLIR system, which I'm familiar with, you're going to see wings flap, even if it's at a different distance. Um, if that were a bird, it would be closer because the size of the bird versus the relative size of the aircraft. Um, it looked to me like that little orb had an interest in that aircraft and started following it. I mean, the people that operate these on the ground, it's just, you become familiar with it. You do this over and over day after day for hours and hours. Um, and you just know what things are. That was not a bird following. <laughs> that, that's interesting. Cause it was a few other people that I'd spoke to. Cause I think that particular piece of footage isn't, isn't brand new. It's been around just a little while. And I had heard initially when it was posted that it was something to do with like a, a drugs run because it's, I think it's based out of New Mexico or something. And okay. It was something like that along those lines anyway, and it was very quickly put down as there's nothing to see in this. It was being filmed because it was part of a like a drugs bust, and, and that was it. And then people obviously talked about the object in the background. But again, I'll I'll put I'll leave it wide open and keep an open mind on it. If someone like yourself is saying that given the size of it and the nature of it, that there's something to that object, then that that's completely fair. Well, I wouldn't rule out a drone at this point. I'm just saying it's not a bird. Okay. Yeah. Too, that's too big. Too big to be a bird. Yeah. It, well, no, just the erratic, the movement of the, I could see it being a drone because of the movement, but birds don't move. They don't fly like that. They're, they ride thermals. They just do, you know, depending on the bird or else they're directional. They're just not going to fo- immediately follow aircraft. They stay away from aircraft. Sure. And you mentioned another piece of footage, uh, the witch or, or something in Spanish. You said, what was that one? Yeah, that was, um, I think it's La Bruja, B-R-U-J-A. So it shows an object, you know, like maybe the size of like a large man that's floating above the surface of the ground. I think it's around Arizona or somewhere on the border. 
and it just kind of moves in a linear direction. And it, the, it's frustrating because being a FLIR operator, I would have zoomed in and changed gains and, and done a lot of different things. But this person just stayed at the same narrow field of view and just kind of panned watching this thing. But it, nonetheless, it was still very um, <laughs> it was intriguing because it's a cold object. And you can tell because it's on black hot, which is in the symbology in the bottom left-hand corner. And it's passing by like some cattle and they're black and they're just walking along and it is choo, it's just flying right behind them. And there's no erratic movement like you'd see from a balloon. Now I've kind of thought, what could this be like a drug running drone that they're trying to cloak using like a wet cloth over the top of it and the wind blowing against it would make it, you know, it's a humid or a arid desert. And I'm trying to put all these things together, but none of them's making sense. It just, you'll have to look that one up. It was pretty intriguing, but the most fascinating part is it's just a solid cold object. I have made a note to look that one up. Yep. And I certainly will. And I'll post a link for it as well in the description of the pod uh, for, for anyone who wants to see it. I'm sure I'll be able to find it. Yeah. Right. Uh, now what are the dangers of untrained eyes looking at these videos and commenting I mean, I've seen recently, just I think in the last day or so, someone on Twitter had posted a picture of a camera they were going to going to buy, and it was a FLIR camera for about $200, like a handheld one. Now, I'm sure that is not the same equipment you're using, you know, in, in your professional capacity, but what are your recommendations for just the general public looking to buy FLIR cameras to try and take pictures or, or film UFOs? Yeah, unfortunately, those aren't really readily available. I mean the technology you're talking about is thermography. So you have like a handheld unit. It doesn't matter if you plug it into your phone or you have, um, you know, a unit that's like a monitor on a stick, something like that. But those are, like I said earlier, which is what Mick West has is a, it's a long wave camera and it's often, um, what they'll do is they'll take like a daylight camera and overlap this long wave and kind of make a composite video. So that's kind of confusing as well. Um, they're just, um, two different technologies. There's no zoom to the, the thermography cameras. As far as I know, if there is, it's probably going to be digital. So you're not going to be able to see the objects in the sky. Like, um, you know, like the ones that I have access to are the government ones that are on the aircraft. Yeah. So people shouldn't be expecting for a couple of hundred dollars to pick up something that's, that's going to be filming like what they're seeing on YouTube and, and on Twitter, basically. So be very careful what they're buying. Yeah, absolutely not. Those are used for like, um, finding leaks around your doors, you know, right, okay. where the, the heat's coming in or something or going up into your attic and looking at your insulation, to make sure that's not leaking. There's practical applications for it, but it's mostly on an industrial level. It's not meant for, you know, Tracking yeah. the skies. Don't, don't go UFO hunting with one of those folks. And, right. and we touched on that a little bit. We, we touched on it earlier, Dave, like the, the recent drops by Jeremy Corbell, who I know Jeremy is someone who's promoted. I don't know how well you know him. He says buddy in his tweets. But um, do you know Jeremy Corbell quite well? You know, we've talked on the phone, especially with that whole gimbal rotation. We talked mm-hmm. for um, a couple hours. Um, I think Jeremy is the type of guy that likes to take a story and um from somebody else and publicize it and that's pretty much what he does i don't think there's any sinister things that he has um going on and i don't think he's all about you know just 
hype, but um, yeah, you know, Jeremy pretty much is what he seems like he is. Yeah, and I mean, let's cards on the table. He's a filmmaker and a content creator, and he is not afraid to be in front of a camera. You right. know, he's he's put people in front of Joe Rogan, but he makes sure he sat beside them, and he likes to also star in his own documentaries, which are very good. The the subjects of them, I'm particularly interested in, but. Like you say, Jeremy's Jeremy. He he's a character as much as he is someone who who is breaking stories, if you want to call it that. But recently, he's been at the center of those hype kind of storms, as you talk about, with um, some leaks of one. We had the sphere objects, and that had a whole load of different data corroborating it. And also, we had the the bokeh video which, well, I call it the bokeh video because that's what Mick West was labelling it as, but you'll know the one where they're looking through the night scope and they're seeing the, the triangular shape. Can I get your thoughts on that? I know that's not FLIR necessarily, but what are your thoughts on those triangular objects and the fact that they were labelled as being like pyramid shapes? Yeah, that's one I was kind of not commenting on because um, I'm not going to say I don't know about the validity of it, but you know the the flashing of the the strobing of the the pyramid if you want to call it that um it's seeming aircraft like an aircraft flashing but i'm not an expert so one guy that did a good video on that is chris lido l-e-s yes, I've, I've i've subscribed to him on on youtube i'm trying to get him on the podcast as well yeah, yeah, he did a pretty good video on that. So I would probably throw the ball in his court because that's not really down my path of expertise either. Totally fair. Uh, and what about the the video where we do have the FLIR camera on the sphere objects, which are kind of floating along and then seem to go into the ocean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think it, the one that like it just submerges. Yes, yeah, and yeah. it's got the audio to it as well, yeah, that they're saying. Yeah, splash. I, I Yes, that's that splash, yeah. Okay, so yeah, actually, I um, was on a FaceTime with Chris Leto because he wanted um, my opinion on what the FLIR would be like, and I told him my opinions, and um, he was we were kind of working through what was being seen from the aspect of, of the ship and the FLIR. So my misunderstanding was I thought the ship was kind of going along with it or it was traveling, but it turns out we analyzed the, the data – and you're looking kind of straight ahead at the FLIR and it's not really traveling left, right. Uh, you know, it just kind of descends down and that's what even made it creepier because I thought it was like something that was just kind of traveling and then decided to descend into the sea, which may or may not have been something, you know, anomaly or some of some kind, but this was um, something that was just kind of stationary and then just decided to sink down into the sea because <laughs> you would see if it was something like a jet engine going away from you it would start to get smaller and fainter it's just you know it is what it is what you think it'd be so that one you would say has got something a little bit more to it then that there's there's a good chance that's something anomalous oh i would say so yeah that was a neat one now, where do you think this is all going? Like you say, 17 years ago, this was unheard of to get this kind of footage. And now we seem to have in the space of a couple of years, even though it's not enough for some people, we seem to have quite a lot of declassified or leaked or official military footage out there for us to look at involving potential UAPs or UFOs. 
do you think we're going to keep getting more of this or do you think we've just been lucky in what we've got? Yeah, you know, that's all circumstantial, I guess. I mean, I was lucky to get that one footage out the back, you know, where we were testing the system and that was just random. So, but, you know, you got to see who's taping all these. Is it's, it's the guys in the military. So maybe the aircraft, the let's say it's alien aircraft, maybe they're wondering what we're doing with our capabilities and getting in for a closer inspection. You know, my opinion is just all speculation as far as, you know, if there's going to be more. But, you know, I would say there probably would be more. But, again, you'd have to sift through them to see what's right and what's an anomaly. Now, clearly there's a chance that some of these objects are foreign adversarial technologies. But when we're looking at the truly anomalous cases, would you lean towards this being something more likely to be truly anomalous? And I wouldn't make you say alien or whatever that might entail. Or do you think there's a good chance this is more human-based and and foreign adversarial. Have you made up your mind on that yet? So um, maybe call me old school, but every type of aircraft that I've seen has some kind of propulsion to it. There's always a lift. There's always a jet in the back, but there's always lift with the wings because that's just the nature of aircraft. I haven't seen any aircraft that can move around where there's no obvious propulsion. So even DARPA, you know, you familiar with DARPA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So e- even them, I don't think they're going to come up with anything. And it, if they do, then it's groundbreaking technology. It's something just do we have no concept of right now. So, or maybe if DARPA did it, they would have the concept. But I'm saying it's not anything that we as common folk would know anything about. So, yeah, either way is fascinating. Well, it's been great having you explain some of that, Dave, and hopefully people have learned a little bit, if nothing else, from that as to what they should and shouldn't be looking out for. And that Bruja UFO, I'll be checking that one out. I've got some listener questions, and then we've got the quick fire round as well. Uh, first question, you, you touched on this before. This was from Nathan, but just to clear it up. So for the gimbal video, some skeptics have claimed it's the view of the tail end exhaust of a distant plane. One thing that's confused Nathan, if that claim is true, wouldn't the image of the plume reduce in size over time as the plane moves away further from the flare? Would that be correct? Yeah, well, unless he's pacing it, you know, and they're staying at the exact same speed. But yeah, they're, they're, you should see the plume spike and it would become more faint as the, uh, the plane got distant. So yes, in essence, that's correct. But I would say there's no jets out there that are going to just fly at one particular level. They're, they're going to turn. I mean, the jet fighters that are operating the, the FLIRs, or I guess it would be the Wizzo in the back, they would know that this is not a, a jet. It's That's their jobs. That's what they do. So, yeah, I would say correct. And you can also hear from the pilots looking at the footage as they talk about it that they know they're looking at something that's a bit unusual as well, um, which which is fair. Um, Dan, who's my regular co-host, he wanted to know what part does the FLIR system play on a ship or fleet and and how important is that particular system to the whole operation? Ooh, interesting. Um, Yeah, I guess it depends on the mission. Like when I was in the Navy, it was the whole Bosnia-Kosovo thing. So I worked on a different pod. It was a, a data link pod that 
they would launch it was it's now the slam er but it, they would launch a missile and it was video guided so you could see you know from the cockpit what you were going towards and then you could guide it with a thumb wheel or whatever but um with the FLIR, same kind of thing. You're, you're, it's a tar- target acquisition. You're like, I want to bomb this building at this particular latitude, longitude. And, um, okay, there it is. I see it right in, you know, the sights and, you know, laser designator and, and you hit it. So it's all about just, yes, I would say it's pretty vital in some circumstances, you know, depending on the terrain, that kind of thing. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does, yeah, and it makes sense, but I've got a follow-up on that. Now, I'm going to try and word this properly, and I might just say it and hopefully you can pick up what I mean, but how up-to-date is the FLIR system? Because I appreciate what it's looking at and the the purpose of it, but obviously it still produces a a certain quality. Is it as, as good as it can get, or can the FLIR system become more, do you think, or do you know? Um, do you have one in particular that you're talking about? No, just, you know, we're looking at these flare videos and they show, they show what they show. So on that gimbal video, it's, it's flare, if I'm using that correctly, but okay, I could, got could that be better? Could you get anything more from that particular system when it's looking at that object? Is, are there improvements that could be made or is, is that the end of that technology before something else would have to take over? Um, well, yes and no, the, the technology can get better. And I believe what you're seeing in the gimbal and the Tic Tac and the go fast, I think those are analog videos, which means you have your 640 by 480. It's, um, just like you, what you'd call a standard video. Um, we, now we've moved on to digital video. So now we're at the 720, the 1080, that kind of thing. And I'm sure 4k is on the horizon. So yes, it's definitely going to get better. But we're just looking at kind of the technology that's um, antiquated and we're fading, you know, getting rid of it. And we're phasing it out. So, yeah, like a lot of our old analog flares, we don't even use them anymore. We've since demailed them and moved on to, I think we're completely high def now. And I was going to say, most people would know 720 or 1080 as, as HD when you're looking at TVs. Would something like the gimbal video, so we have seen the analog version, or you know the, the standard definition quality is the is the old money we would call it. Is there more than likely HD versions of those? Um, I, I would assume so by now. Yeah, if I were Raytheon, I would definitely be cranking out the high, the high def ones, and that's not much as far as changing out optics. It's just pretty much changing the basic cameras that are seeing, you know, like a, a camera body. So you could change those out and then you still could use the existing system without having to replace the entire pod, you know, the FLIR pod. You can use all everything else, just replace the cameras. You might have a different protocol as far as um, talking. You know, you'd have to have digital talk instead of analog talk to put it on layman's terms. No, that's fair. And again, if if I saw the HD version of the, the gimbal footage, would would myself as a layman just looking at it not knowing how to read what's on there would i notice any difference to the actual picture itself yeah well the first thing you'll probably see is it it, it's going to fill the screen this is something i'm thinking about when i look in the shop you're definitely it's going to be bigger it's going to fill the screen and you're going to see more detail and there's also more additions like a digital detail enhancement that will 
up the resolution. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's not up converting. It's it just makes <laughs> it's hard to explain. No, no, uh, it's fair. But yeah, you'll definitely be able to notice a difference. I mean, we can just push a button and you can see analog to digital, you know, kind of a, a comparison when we're operating them. Awesome. Um, next up, Mike had a question. He wants to know, in your videos, you shoot objects like balloons, etc. Um, they're also relatively close. Do you plan on being able to shoot anything at a longer distance or replicate conditions of UFO videos? And he does say that he understands you just can't fly an F-18. So he wants me to um, catch a balloon at a further distance? Yeah, I think he wants you to try and film them from those distances potentially away yeah um actually i caught a balloon today that was in the sky that was at a further distance and i was watching it and it was a, a mylar balloon like a star shape so i watched it and watched it and i got like 10 minutes of footage of this thing and it, it's it's consistent from like a wide field of view well actually i was about a narrow field of view but you could tell it's that balloon, but as it travels out and becomes more faint, it has the same characteristics as it tumbles in the sky. It's showing a reflective ground, which is warm, and a reflective sky, which is cold. So you're seeing the characteristics of a, a mylar balloon tumbling in the sky, as you would think. So I do have that. I just need to um, you know, put that out there. Awesome. So keep an eye on the YouTube channel for that one. And Graham has a good question, and I like this one, and he means it completely seriously. How exactly would a seagull show up on FLIR? Um, well, yeah, it depends on um, the scene setting you're looking at, but for most scenes, it, you're going to see a, a hot seagull. I mean, it's just going to look like a bird. It, it is what it is. I mean, even if it was flying on the ground, it's going to be hotter than its surrounding environment. So you will see what looks like a white seagull. You're not going to see features. It's just going to be like a white shaped seagull object. And you'll see the flapping of wings and it'll be an obvious thing. Awesome. So definitely none of the videos we have discussed, especially things like the, the Tic Tac going across the, the top of the ocean is definitely not a seagull. No, I mean, if it was shaped like um, a boomerang and it had a, a, you know, like a blob in the middle, then I would say that might be a bird because, but it's an orb. It's not shaped like a bird and you don't see any movement. There's no birds that, that I know of that can fly distances like that without moving wings that close to the surface that are that cold. It just, it, it's ridiculous. Awesome. That's great. Now, listen, let's move on to the, the quick fire round. And then once we finish that, Dave is going to stay with me for a short while to go over to the Patreon and Apple subscription area, where we'll be talking about his, his favorite UFO case and any other maybe favorite videos he has as well. So stick about for that if you're if you're signed up to those services. Now, we'll finish off with a quick fire round, Dave. I'm going to name a few different people or places, um, just topics we haven't quite discussed on the, the body of the interview, and just to get your thoughts on them. And if you don't have any, we can move on to the next one. So the first one would be okay. Louise Elizondo. <laughs> um well if he indeed is responsible for the three videos that came out from ATIP and if that is indeed an organization or was an organization then yeah that's fantastic um you know I give him props for that it, I'm kind of skeptical because it appears to me he's kind of jumped on the whole media bandwagon I've reached out to him on Twitter and I think some other social media and he no response 
And I even expressed my frustration that he did not respond. So, you know, how is anybody going to feel about that? I was like, well, I guess I don't know much about him, but I think his videos are cool. But, you know, I don't know what he says is true or not, but a lot of people like to think that he does and they kind of elevate him to the status. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell you. I mean, I see the poster you have in the, behind you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not trying to dog out your guy, but. Um, no, listen, I, I've I've said in, in this subject, you, you've always got to be prepared to be let down at each and every turn because it's happened for so long. And. Uh, I don't think you can go 100% into anything in this subject. I I like Lou, you know, I, I speak to him semi-regularly and I have no reason to disbelieve what he said in his background and I've put a lot of faith in that, but I know I won't be the first person to put faith in, in something or someone in this subject and be let down. So fingers crossed it's it's going well so far, but it's, listen, it's your opinion is perfectly valid. Well, no, I mean, you know more than I do then because I've never even talked to him. So all I have to judge my opinion is the media that I have seen. Sure. And um, the fact that he didn't respond to me, which is, you know, he could be a very busy guy and I'm not holding it personal, but, you know, I'd like to talk to him sometime, kind of get his opinion on things. But, you know, I was just in the Navy. I wasn't any kind of CIA spy or, you know, special program director or anything like that so i mean you know i I only know so much no that that's totally fair the next one is skinwalker ranch have you got any thoughts on the property i don't know if you've seen any of the show yeah again it's just the level of media that i've been exposed to which is pretty limited i've seen some of the tv show um i didn't watch jeremy's video um i don't know too much about it so I'll pa- probably pass on that one. Yeah, fair. Uh, someone who's closely associated with Jeremy is Bob Lazar. Any thoughts on the Bob Lazar story? Yeah, that's a really con- controversial one right there. Um, it's like, um, you know, it's the dream. <laughs> it's like every UFO lover's dream is Bob Lazar. You know, oh, he's been to the yeah. special plant, the S4, and he's done this and that, and he, he's got all this technical knowledge, but you know, every the government has erased all his stuff. That's a hard one to tell. You know, I'd say, uh, you know, 50, 50, because again, I'm just exposed to what I've been shown. So I don't know if he's real or not. Jeremy seems to think he is. And he seems to like to build a lot of electronic stuff and rockets and wh- whatever he does. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, again, that's another guy I'd like to talk to is Bob because, um, you know, I would have a lot of questions about, you know, what his experience was. Do you know, I think it's far easier to get in touch with Lou Elizondo uh, than it is Bob Lazar. But I think the way to Bob Lazar seems to be through Jeremy Corbell. And I think you, you've you got that line, if, if anything. So, yeah, he's an elusive character, certainly. Um, the Phoenix Lights incident, do you have much to say on that? Or have you seen any footage from that back in the 90s? Yeah, it was like the big curve kind of in the sky. The, v, with the, the, v, the V-shaped crack. Yeah, it was lights in the sky and the military yeah. explained it off as flares. Yeah, it was like 97 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it could be. I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot of sightings. There was like, wasn't there thousands of people sighting that? Did yeah, most of, the, most of the county saw it and it wasn't just over one night either. Oh, wow. No, I, I, that's definitely a fascinating one. 
it's unfortunate we didn't have the technology we have now to get a better glimpse at it. It was probably the old camcorder, you know, where you had the little rocker zoom and stuff. But um, it's in the dark. Yeah, it's anybody's guess, but it didn't look like any kind of uh, aircraft flares because they would move down. But um, yeah, that was a fascinating one. Awesome. And the last one, as I like to ask all my guests, what does disclosure mean to you? Hmm. Um, <laughs> disclosure. Well, it's risky. Um, depends on what kind of disclosure you're doing. I mean, if I don't think if the government said, Hey, guess what guys, we do have these aliens and we're, we're, we're searching this technology that there's going to be any kind of frenzy as far as religious, um, ideology or anything like that. But there's going to be a lot of questions like, why were you holding this? You know, there's going to be transparency issues. There's, I think that's what they're trying to hide is not to, they're trying to cover their butts on this. They don't want, you know, I don't know what they know, but they, you know, you don't want the common person to know certain things. And to an extent, I can agree with that. You know, being in the Navy, there was a lot of CYA things going on. There's a lot of things going on that nobody knows about. But um, that's why there's nobody wants them to know in the military why they're going on. Does that make any sense? Because there's no logical reason yeah. for the general public to know because it would just cause, you know, oh, now we got the media coming in and asking a bunch of questions and there's going to be responsibility and there's going to be, you know, people hanging and this kind of stuff. So, yeah. And I know, I know some people don't like it, but I'm trying to look at things from, from all sides and I can see why not that it's right but if i was in charge of of things now then disclosure would be an admission of things that have been done in the past and you would be held accountable for those whereas if you push ahead with if they are pushing ahead with some sort of confirmation then you can play a little bit dumb and you can just leak little bits as if we're finding this out together and you kind of have a starting point to go from and then you don't have to go back to to Roswell and different cases in the past, and oh, yeah. let's you know that that's the way I look at it. So if you go from now, then you kind of almost just let's forget what happened in the past and let's move forward together. And, well, that's and good theory. And, and you know what? Personally, I think even if they did go with the, you know, if if, if President Biden came out on the White House lawn and said, okay cards on the table he's got putin on one side he's got you know who else ever else on the other and we know about the aliens we know about the spacecraft they come from here they come from there i don't think 99.9 percent .9 of the world would care about what happened in the past i think you've got a lot of the ufo community and and some others who would want to know about roswell and all that kind of stuff but i think the general world population would be quite happy moving forward with that knowledge and working from that point but that's that's to be decided or, or seen in the future, I suppose. Yeah, that's definitely a good topic for conversation. Um, I've kind of kicked that idea around with some of the guys at work. And I don't think it would – it's not going to be the end of the world if the government tells us we have these things. But at the same time, you could just see in simple politics, I think both sides of the political realm are trying to hide things this and that to you know maintain their their seats their positions of power that kind of stuff it kind of comes with the territory 
absolutely dave uh, you'll be staying with me for a few more minutes over on patreon and apple podcasts and the premium service to talk about your favorite case but in the meantime for those finishing up with us now on the main feed how can people find you online and also how can they subscribe to your youtube channel sure um just dave falch on twitter and then if you get onto the youtube and just type in dave falch it's the first one that comes up you just click on that and um, peruse at your leisure and I'll make sure those links are in the sub, uh, subject and the description of the podcast as well, Dave. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And look forward to some of you joining us over on the premium service as well. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little I was about to abduct you, cuz.